This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Reynolds has turned the page to what's next by making it possible for you to retail anywhere. Discover your next chapter at reyrey.com slash me. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash me. Welcome to Daily Drive. For Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023, I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show... Strong earnings for Stellantis push up bonuses for its UAW workers. The number of U.S. auto dealerships grows for a second year in a row. And new U.S. incentives prompt Tesla to scale back its German battery plant. Plus, a conversation with Nissan America's chairperson, Jeremy Papin, about challenges and opportunities ahead for the automaker amid supply woes and electrification. Honestly, there's not quite a lot that uh, keeps me awake at night. And I'm just very comfortable with uncertainty. And I think we've built resilience and agility in the organization. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Stellantis posted robust profit and revenue gains last year. That means its UAW employees will get the largest payout among the Detroit 3 automakers this year. The automaker says net profits for the year surged 26% to almost $18 billion. Global revenue rose 18% to $190 billion. Stellantis reports full financial results only twice a year under French financial reporting rules. In the U.S., Stellantis will distribute $14,760 on average to UAW-represented workers as part of a profit-sharing plan. More than 40,000 workers are eligible for the bonus, which is up slightly from a year earlier. General Motors unionized workers will receive a profit-sharing bonus of up to $12,750 based on the company's North American performance last year. UAW members at Ford are getting an average of just over $9,000. And the number of U.S. franchised dealerships in 2022 rose for a second year in a row. That's after two years of declines, according to a new report from Urban Science. Its annual automotive franchise activity report says there were 18,257 new vehicle dealerships as of January 1st of this year. That's up 27 stores from 2022. While the number of dealerships increased, Urban Science says the number of franchises declined slightly. Tesla will focus battery cell production in the U.S., in light of tax incentives under the Inflation Reduction Act. That's according to a spokesperson for the EV maker, which has already begun assembling battery systems at its plant in Germany. Cars produced at the plant just outside Berlin would, in the near future, contain batteries assembled locally. EU leaders have expressed concern that the local content requirements, tied to hundreds of billions of dollars in Inflation Reduction Act subsidies, will encourage companies to abandon Europe for the United States. Tesla CEO Elon Musk said in March 2022 that the German 50-gigawatt-hour battery plant would reach volume production by the end of this year, but the plant and car production site have been hitting their targets a little later than planned. And GM's Corvette assembly plant is idle this week due to a temporary parts shortage. GM spokesman Dan Flores would not say which part caused the shortage, but he tells Automotive News the shortage is not related to semiconductor chips. Production is expected to resume on Monday. The Kentucky plant has over 1,300 employees and manufactures the Chevrolet Corvette Stingray and the Chevrolet Corvette Z06. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, 
Stellantis with big revenue gains last year, which means some UAW workers are getting big bonuses. Is it a good day to be a UAW employee? Yeah, you know, it's always good when the uh, profit sharing checks are in the five digits. A lot of years when I was a reporter at the back in my uh, Detroit Free Press days, you know, they, they didn't even get to four digits. So this is a it's, it's a different era and uh, and much better for the auto workers, at least on that front. But they're not feeling entirely comfortable. I mean, even as Stellantis is reporting, you know, really strong results in North America, they're on the brink of idling a plant in Belvedere, Illinois. So not everybody is feeling as confident as we roll into 2023. And of course, a lot of anxiety about the labor talks coming up this fall. Where will companies make their investments? And the workers want to know if they can regain some of the wages that they feel have been eroded by recent high inflation. Gotcha. Coming up, we'll hear from Nissan's North America chief, Jeremy Pappin. That's next on Daily Drive. Reynolds & Reynolds recently announced a new logo and brand image to better reflect the company it is today and its vision for the future. Hear what Chris Walsh, president of Reynolds & Reynolds, has to say about Reynolds' rebrand and the next chapter. I think, you know, if you look back, it really started, you know, probably two years ago with a new leadership team in place and the decision to kind of look at how we can be a better company and how we can better serve our customers and how we can help them be more successful. But it's really accelerated the last, you know, 12 months. This is a commitment to a new kind of company in my eyes and a new way of kind of cohabitating in the industry, helping our customers be more successful. And, uh, you know, the marketing side of this is, I mean, it's certainly important to help to have a marketing organization that, you know, kind of takes your messages and makes them concise and, and impactful and, and broadcast that to the world. That's certainly a critical part you know, of what we're doing, but this is not a marketing program. This is, you know, a company-wide initiative you know, to better serve the industry and to, you know, help us get to the next chapter uh, in automotive. Visit rayray.com slash me to learn more about Reynolds' vision for the future and discover your next chapter. That's reyrey.com slash me. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. The Inflation Reduction Act's new tax incentives are compelling automakers to rethink their supply chains and manufacturing priorities. That's true for Nissan, which is looking to build stronger supply chains in North America. Nissan America's chairperson, Jeremy Pappin, talked about it during a keynote interview with our sibling publication, Automotive News Canada, at their Canada Congress event in Toronto last week. Pappin spoke with Automotive News Canada Editor-in-Chief, Jeff Melnichuk. What would you say in this end's top priorities or problems to solve are at this moment in time? Or we're three years out of you know, past COVID, we're heading, steaming toward an electrification future that apparently not everybody wants. Um, how, how's, how does Nissan with all that? Yeah, I, I think Nissan, you know, Nissan's gone through a transformation in the past uh, few years, obviously. Um, you know, reestablishing a little bit uh, significantly the way we do business, launching a lot of new products in the marketplace. Even, you know, the, the employee engagement has been, uh, you know, a very strong area of focus. There's been, the company obviously has gone through a governance crisis. Many of you know that, and we've had to rebuild from there. I think we're very happy with the progress made on all of those fronts, be it the product, the business, uh, the culture, and now we're uh, resolutely confident about what's ahead, uh, looking at you know growth opportunities and positioned for it. 
Um, so I, I'm, honestly, there's not quite a lot that uh, keeps me awake at night. And I'm just very comfortable with uncertainty. Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable with the fact that uh, we're going to have to evolve, continuously accept uh, that, uh, that uh, uh, things may change. And I think we've built uh, resilience and agility in the organization uh, to be able to adjust uh, to it. Um, electrification, for me, is a terrific opportunity. Uh, the cars uh, that are uh, electric are um, wonderful uh, vehicles to do uh, to do uh, to grow the business much beyond what we know uh, it is uh, it is uh, today. Uh, they are so much more fun to drive, and that's uh, you know a feeling that will be accessible to everyone. I understand many of the of the concerns, the questions. It is true that if you do a policy on automobiles, you probably can think about a broader policy because so much of our daily lives are organized around how cars uh, get around. And so, um, you know, the, the, there is an opportunity to be thinking much broader to en enable the, 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 the mandate. But who doesn't agree with, uh, you know, a zero emission or a zero fatality world? Everyone does. Those are great purposes. And so, uh, you know, being, being engaged in that and, and enabling it is key. Um, and um, so I think, you know, the, the, the EVs are great. The accessibility, affordability was a, was a, a poor debate. Um, it's a very good question. Economies of scales will kick in. But there's also life for a battery outside of a vehicle. And we're, we've been in this uh, EV business for over 10 years. We know batteries actually live longer than vehicles. And so uh, batteries being the biggest component in, a, uh, in, a, in, a, in an EV today in terms of cost, uh, we're going to make affordability work mm -hmm. because there is, there is a life for the battery outside. So what, are, what are some of those uses well, beyond vehicles? St energy storage to start with, if, if you're pushing towards uh, if you're pushing towards uh, renewable energy, you need to be able to store it. Uh, economic development in the past 100 years has never benefited from the fact we could store energy, electricity, uh, and now we are going to be able to do it mm -hmm. at scale. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, <laughs> there's value there. There are people who are going to uh, put investment and uh, generate revenues out of that. That's going to feed into uh, the affordability equation for the for the for the EV for for sure, um, and you know EVs. Yeah, it, what's interesting with EVs is that they're sold to households who have multiple cars, and that's the majority of the people in North America. But whenever you buy one, it's your primary car, because that's the one you're going to use every day. And that's how the adoption is just going to go and go, because you buy it, and then that's the car you drive every day. Mm -hmm. And yes, sometimes it can be a problem. But then I'm also in a position where I know what's ahead in terms of technology mm -hmm. and readiness. And I'm, so, I'm excited about what's here, but I'm, more, I'm so excited also about what's ahead. Sure, what, because, are, what are some of those things? Well, breakthroughs and battery Breakthroughs in battery technology are, you know, within five, seven years away that are going to be very meaningful in terms of affordability, charging, definitely. So, for, you know, to move to a high level and a high percentage of adoption, we need those breakthroughs. But to go through the first 
uh, stages of what uh, is mandated but is very likely to happen, uh, is, it doesn't need those breakthroughs. Mm -hmm. it, it just is uh, going to be done with the products we have, those that are going to come out because lineups will widen. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually seeing this as a massive opportunity um, for us and a satisfaction for the customer. Mm -hmm. And I think that will be very good business for the, for the dealer groups and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and the dealers. I, I understand geography and so on, but I think there's also expansion of the business we're all involved in. Regarding the differences between the Canadian and the U.S. market, what's the U.S. attitude toward electrification versus, say, the way it is in Canada? I think we, we hear a lot of the same. There's less, uh, you know, there's slightly less uh, stress maybe because uh, the, 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 the timing around the objectives are, uh, are somewhat, uh, um, you know, not as precise. But again, a lot of this can, uh, can, uh, can change. But the two countries are, you know, the way people drive in the two countries are pretty much similar. Mm -hmm. So the, re the, 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 the reaction is, is the same. The penetration is growing about at the same uh, pace. Now it's about, you know, six or seven percent in, in, uh, in Canada. Maybe it's around six percent in, mm -hmm. in the USA. But again, that, that we're winning over uh, consumers every day. Um, the intent that we have is ultimately we're going to always let the consumer choose what he wants. So we'll We'll have an EV lineup that will go across uh, segments the same way our ICE lineup uh, is existent today. Um, and, you know, in, in many, many, in most of the segments, there will be an ability to choose one or the other uh, powertrain. But, um, again, you get, you get some functionalities and a, and a fun-to-drive uh, pleasure in an EV that, that you know, you, yeah. you don't get with an, with an ICE. Mm -hmm. When do you think the last ICE Nissan will be built? Uh, I can't see that. I think we're such a global company mm -hmm. that we're going to continue to sell a, a lot of ICE for a lot of time. Forever? <laughs> Until there's mandates everywhere. <laughs> or mandates every, you know, yeah. I mean, we I all mean, know, I mean, you know, charging, if a charging infrastructure is a topic of discussion in uh, highly developed markets such as Canada or uh, the USA, think about uh, what to think about uh, uh, more emerging economies, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, and and that's where uh, you know we'll uh, we we'll have maybe take more time or have different solutions. But ultimately, yeah, with the storage capabilities and the development of uh, energy storage through the batteries, that's that's what can open up uh, mm -hmm. opportunities mm -hmm. for many more EVs uh, everywhere. Mm -hmm. Nissan America's chairperson, Jeremy Pappin, spoke with Automotive News Canada Editor-in-Chief Jeff Melnichuk at the Canada Congress event in Toronto last week. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Jack Walsworth, Miranda Dunlap, and Automotive News Canada's Greg Layson for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on manufacturing, earnings results, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about new Bloomberg intelligence research on the auto industry with credit analyst Joel Levington. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. 